welcome back to the podcast. I am glad you are with me here on this Thursday, November 19th, 2020. It is uh, it's great to be with you again as we continue our conversations uh, for this uh, Beyond Sunday School thing um, where we are walking through Vaughn Roberts' God's Big Picture, tracing the storyline of the Bible. And uh, we are we're working our way through here, the whole picture of Scripture, the whole story of it. And uh, yeah, hopefully this is helpful for you. And, you know, we're uh, one, two, three, four, five. We are in the fifth week of this. We've got uh, two more after this, and then we'll be done. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, for at least for a time, uh, put a pin in the Beyond Sunday School uh, podcast episodes. If these are helpful and you want them to come back, um, let me know. You know, shoot me a message, say, hey, those Beyond Sunday School things were really good, and. I really liked them, so you should keep doing them. Uh, just looking at looking at numbers and all that kind of stuff, and it just you know we're seems like maybe we've run our course here on beyond uh, the Sunday school episode series. So uh, if that's if this though is super helpful to you, like I said, please let me know. Give me a heads up, and uh, we'll we'll figure out what's next on this. So. A uh, couple of announcement-y kind of things before we dive in this this week. Uh, let's see. Uh, Doubt on Tap has moved to uh, the Simple Theologian Discord server. Uh, Doubt on Tap is a weekly conversation that I host with my buddy Mike, and uh, you know it's a it's a time to get together and talk about things that matter with people who are different from you. It's, it's absolutely fantastic to learn from others, to grow in your understanding of, um, of the way other people think. It basically allows you to move beyond uh, just all the Facebook silliness to uh, real conversations with real people. And uh, that happens Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock. We have now moved it to the Discord server. I will be sure to drop a link to that uh, in the show notes. Uh, the Simple Theologian Discord server is also the place where we are hosting uh, our virtual book club. And uh, right now, we are discussing Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. Uh, we're on chapter four. Each chapter is very standalone. So if you've been thinking, ah, that sounds so good, I really want to get into it, but they're already four weeks in, don't worry about it. Uh, jump in with us, be a part of this thing, and uh, you know, you can get the book real cheap on Amazon for like eight bucks, and I'll be sure to include a link to that as well in today's show notes. And uh, let's see, what else we got going on? Um, yeah, I think that's that's about it. Oh, uh, missional communities uh, are now meeting virtually for the winter months, and uh, so we are doing that via Zoom. And if you have been thinking. Boy, I'd love to see what a missional community is like. I'd love to connect uh, in that way. Maybe uh, now's a great a great way to try some try it out. Uh, you don't have to go anywhere. You can do it from the comfort of your living room, and uh, so you can go to facebook.com/slash/axe13, uh, and uh, you know we'll 
uh, you'll find information there. So I will, I will also include the link to our Facebook page, and um, so that way you can you can find out when that Zoom missional community gathering is, uh, and it's seven o'clock Sunday nights. So uh, let's see. Anything else? I think think that might be it. Want to encourage you again, if you have not subscribed to DanielMRose.com, please do so. Uh, everything that I write and, uh, you know, publish gets dropped right there. Monday through Friday, you will get an email uh, in the morning, usually around 9 a.m., with the knee-jerk devotional, just my uh, immediate thoughts on Scripture uh, kind of in the first first thing in the morning, right? Wake up, have a little coffee, sit down, read, meditate, and write. So you're getting fresh thoughts five days a week uh, with the knee-jerk devotional. And as always, please comment, rate, share this podcast with your friends. Uh, it helps uh, in ways that you uh, you may never you may never know. So, um, all right, that's it. Let's let's get on with it, shall we? Uh, God's big picture: tracing the storyline of the Bible uh, by Von Roberts. Uh, where have we been? Well, uh, the story of Scripture opens up in Genesis chapter one and two with the pattern of the kingdom, and uh, and there we see you know we see God's people. Or Adam and Eve, God's place is the garden. God's rule and blessing is His perfect is His word and perfect relationships. Uh, then we talked about the perished kingdom, uh, where God's people, uh, in a sense, is no one. Uh, his He's He has He and the people have been banished from one another, and there is disobedience and curse that kind of flows through the world, and that really happens in Genesis chapter three. Uh, then we get the promised kingdom, and God's people are Abraham's descendants, and we really spent some time looking at uh, the story of, you know, Abraham uh, up through the uh, the Exodus, right? Uh, God's place is Canaan, and His rule and blessing uh, was a blessing to Israel and the nations. So through Abraham's family would come a global blessing. And then we looked at the partial kingdom last week. And uh, this, you know, this is where we see the king come in. Uh, so God's people were the Israelites. His place was Canaan and Jerusalem and the temple, right? And very much uh, the shift moves to the temple. Um, and his rule and blessing comes through the law, and it's supposed to come through the king as well. We ended there on a down note, though. Because eventually what happens uh, is the monarchy uh, began to fail because uh, the kings were not, <laughs> they really weren't, uh, you know, the, the way that the people were supposed to be ruled. In First Samuel chapter 8, we read that, uh, you know, the people basically are rejecting God in favor of a human king. And, you know, that's that's tough word. That's tough stuff. Uh, but the warning that Samuel gives is, 
it's honest and it's and it's tough. And we have seen his warning play out over and over and over again. So what do we do with that? You know, what do we what happens? Well, uh, what happened is that the the kingdoms failed and they they had to hope for something new. There had to be a hope for a future. So what was that future and how did that how did that hope come from? Well, what happened is is, is God God leaned on to uh, his prophets. Now, oftentimes, uh, you know, the prophets or prophecy is understood as like future telling or foretelling. But really, that's not what was going on in the, in the prophets and, or through prophecy uh, in the scriptures. What we see more so is what could be called forthtelling. Um, you know, he is, the, the prophet was passing on God's words to the people. And so God raised up these prophets, these mouthpieces uh, that proclaimed his words, that were calling people back to faith. The call of the prophet was not, not to law, not to legalism. No, the law, the, the call of the prophet was back to trust. It was, it was to remind the people that they needed to trust God. That, that was their call. That is who um, they were to trust in. Not to trust in the kings, not to trust in themselves, not to trust in anything other than God and his word. And so, yeah, he, you know, as, as he called people back, as the prophets called people back to trust, oftentimes it talked about the law. But that's because the law was God's word. And by living, by living out the law, by uh, embracing the law, what the people were doing is that they were communicating. Um, they were communicating that they actually trusted God. So, you know, you have these, you have the, these prophets that, um, that are raised up during the monarchy. Uh, so as the king is, is seeking to, to rule on behalf of God, uh, the prophets are reminding the king and the people what, what this community was supposed to look like, what, um, what the world was supposed to look like, what the kingdom was supposed to look like. Because God's kingdom the kingdom of God's people was not supposed to look like the other kingdoms. No, God's kingdom, the kingdom of God's people, was to be one that was fashioned after grace, mercy, compassion, caring for the foreigner, caring for the outsider, caring for the person and the people who were, who were in most need. And yet, what happened under the monarchy? Well, what happened under the monarchy is exactly what Samuel, the last judge, said was going to happen under the monarchy. There was a thirst and quest and hunger for power and prestige, of dominating the world, of expanding territory beyond the promised land, unending war, unending violence. These were the things that came about as a result of, of the monarchy. 
And in the midst of that, then you had you had people who were who were following the king and following the lead of the king. And the king, as the kings wanted more and more and more, they sought out other gods. And they modeled this for the people, and the people followed after those gods. And so the the prophets are are raised up, and they they are calling, um, they are calling the kings to faith. They are calling the people back to faith, back to covenant faithfulness. Right? God had made a covenant. I will be your God. You will be my people. Right? Live live this way. Live. Live in this, this way of, of faith, of trust, of resting on me. And if you do, then you will receive blessing. If you don't, you'll experience curse. This was, this was the call. This, was the, this is what um, the prophets were, were, were reminding people of. Uh, so you have uh, these kind of covenant enforcers, these first two major prophets that get raised up um, uh, in Elijah and Elisha. And their focus was on the northern kingdom of Israel in the ninth uh, century. And so they were calling the kings to live according to God's law, to repent of idolatry. And uh, the, the, the big ugly, the big bad guy uh, was King Ahab. And, oh man, it is, it is rough stuff, that, that part of the story. But Elijah and Elisha, uh, they are they're there calling people uh, back. And they give this picture of what life can look like if, if people lived in covenant faithfulness. Now, uh, from, from that point forward, you have what are known as the writing prophets, uh, in the eighth century, you have Amos uh, and Hosea, who were writing to the northern kingdom. They were they were warning the people of the northern kingdom of Israel: uh, live in covenant faithfulness, or you will experience exile. Right? I mean, this is this is what we see in the story, isn't it? Right from the beginning, Adam and Eve they they don't trust, they ignore. The, the promises of God, and what happens? They get exiled, right? And so all the way through the story, um, exile exile is the thing that, that would ultimately be used as, as punishment of God's people. They would be exiled from the land. They would be exiled from, from the place where God dwelled, so to speak. Uh, so you have... Uh, yeah, so the 8th century, writing to the northern kingdom in 722 BC, the Assyrians uh, sack the northern kingdom and take it over. And, and, it's, and it's over. Uh, the, the northern kingdom falls in 722, uh, and that is the end of the northern kingdom. As you get into the New Testament, that northern kingdom area is, is known as Samaria uh, because you have this mixing of... Um, Jewish religion with, uh, you know, Assyrian gods and other gods uh, around, and so you have this, uh, this, this kind of syncretism that took place uh, as a result of of the fall of of Israel. 
And then you get into the 8th century uh, with some of the other writing prophets. Uh, you get Isaiah and Micah in the 8th century. Uh, you get Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel in the 7th century, uh, which during that time, uh, that included uh, you know, the exile of the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom fell uh, in 586. So uh, then you have your, your post-exilic guys, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. And, uh, and so what do we see? Two, two dominant themes that we see in the writings of these prophets. We see judgment and hope, both based on God's covenant. So uh, first you have judgment, and, and this is a topic that we don't like to talk about much. Uh, we, don't like, we don't like the idea of there being judgment. We don't like the idea of there being a plumb line uh, by which you know, we are held accountable. Uh, we don't like that in our personal lives. We, don't like, we definitely don't like that in our corporate lives, uh, and, and we definitely don't want to go to church and hear about that. And yet, they, these prophets, uh, they, they, they did not hold back. They, they watched. They were watching the people of God. They were watching the kings. And, and they were not holding up their end of the bargain to the covenant. And so they were saying, guys, you got you to gotta, you gotta come back. Uh, otherwise, you are going to experience judgment. And this is not something that you want to you wanna take lightly. And so you... So you get this pretty dark, uh, tough kind of writing that comes from these prophets. When you read through the prophets, uh, it's it's not it's not all pretty. Uh, it's it's pretty harsh. But again, folks needed to hear it. They needed to hear some of the harshness so that they were reminded. So they were reminded of what they were supposed to do and who. They were supposed to be in a callback to faithfulness. Now, uh, there's this great illustration that Roberts uses uh, in this chapter, and I'm, and I'm going to read it uh, just because I think it's money. It says, Jamie is a young boy who has just been given some new shoes. It's a rainy day, and his mother knows that he likes splashing in puddles. So she warns him, if you go into those puddles, you'll be sent to your room when you get home. But he goes straight into the first one. Uh, he sees. His mother tells him off. If you keep on doing that, you'll go straight to your room when you get home. But Jamie splashes in the next puddle he passes, and the one after that as well. So when he gets home, he is sent to his room, where he begins to bawl with tears. His mother speaks to him from outside the door. Jamie, it's your own fault. I told you very clearly that if you carried on splashing in the puddles, you'd be sent to your room. You kept doing it, and that's why you're there now. This is what the prophets basically were doing with the people of God. They kept saying, if you go back, if you go, if you go down that road, you're going to experience exile. It's going to be bad. It's going to be ugly. Here's what's going to happen. Practice covenant faithfulness. And they kept being ignored. And so, um, you know, they are explaining to the people, those who, during exile, those prophets who were writing during the exile were, were explaining to people, this is why you're experiencing this. And, after, and afterwards, they're saying, don't go back. Don't go back to this. Um, but along with judgment, 
there is also hope, right? There is a conditional element to God's promises. And he made it clear. He made it clear in Moses uh, that if, if the folks disobeyed, that they would experience judgment. They would experience exile. There's no question when you read back through the first five books of the Old Testament uh, that conditional peace, right? But there is also an unconditional element. Uh, there, is, there is a guaranteed commitment on behalf of God. He, no matter what happened, he would never, never leave his people and he would never undo his promises. Uh, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, you have the this kind of initial promise made by God to Abraham, right? God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. There is, there is no question here. It is an unconditional promise that God makes to Abraham. And so there is great hope. When you read through, when you read through the, the prophets, every time there is judgment, every time there is this call to repentance, there is also this giving of hope that you may fall, you may stumble, you may turn your back on God, but God will always be there. Come near, come near to God and he will draw near to you. This promise of hope resounds through the prophets of the Old Testament. This prophesied kingdom, this hoped-for kingdom, uh, is, is laid out before them. The, the prophets were pointing to the real thing, the perfect kingdom, the kingdom of God that would come. And so it's this prophesied, hoped-for kingdom. God's people, though, are rejected. So what happens? Well, what happens is a remnant returns, right? In Isaiah uh, chapter 10, uh, he's, he's talking about the coming, um, coming of, of the new, you know, of, of the new kingdom, right? Of what happens after exile. He says, in that day, the remnant of Israel the survivors of the house of Jacob will no longer rely on him who struck them down, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return. A remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. The remnant is coming, he says. You know, no matter, no, no matter what point in history you look at, there was always a remnant of people who were faithful to the one true God. And, and God, God says, I will continue to be faithful, right? And you can look through every prophet, and you will see, uh, you will see this this call of of remnant. Well, how do the remnant come back? Well, they come back uh, because of of the servant. Isaiah again, uh, he, you know, one of the beautiful things in, in Isaiah is we get this beautiful picture of the coming of Messiah. Isaiah fifty three. Verses 5 through 6 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we were healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We see here the, son of, the, the future coming of the Son of Man. We see here the prophecy of the one 
who would set all things right, the one who would sacrifice himself so that we could be redeemed and restored back into relationship with God, the one who would ultimately, perfectly bring us out of exile, not just a physical exile, but a spiritual exile. What about God's place? Well, God's place is the new temple. Ezekiel uh, lays out this uh, this picture of a new new temple, new heaven, new earth, uh, new uh, you know the new creation, and and it's it's coming. Um, and, and prophecy, <laughs> prophecy the, the the prophets give us this beautiful picture of of the new heavens and the new earth, and we get an even fuller picture of, of what that is going to look like in the book of Revelation, but. Even in these Old Testament prophets, we get this. We get this picture. We get the sense of, of how God is going to make all things new, all the good, all the beauty, all the, all the wonderful ways, all the right ways that we have stewarded this world, will be, will be kept. All the ways that we have ruined and destroyed, and harmed and done evil against the creation, those will all be gone. And that way, every tear is wiped away. There will be no more pain and there will be no more sorrow. The prophets point to this, to this, this kingdom that is coming through the servant. Uh, and, and then we will experience God's rule and blessing through his new covenant, right? A, a covenant, a covenant of faith, a covenant that that is based on self-sacrifice, where God is the sacrifice and sacrifices himself for the restoration of all things, to bring us out of exile. And, and there will be a new king on the throne. Uh, and this is, this is Christ. The new, I mean, that's what Messiah means, right? Messiah is just another word for, for king. So he will come, and we will, we will come out of exile. Now, it's interesting, to this day, uh, if you go to, if you go to Israel, if you go to Jerusalem, uh, you know you go to the Wailing Wall. Uh, why are why is there wailing? Why is there weeping there? Well, because the people are know that they are still in exile, and that is as close as the Jewish people can get to the temple where they where they still believe God. God is God is present. And so they draw near. They draw as near as they can as ones who are in exile, as they wait for the coming Messiah. So um, so the prophesied kingdom, who are God's people? Well, the remnant of Israel and the inclusion of the nations. Through Christ, all are brought in. God's place, the new temple and the new creation uh, this new temple that that is coming uh, as part of the new heavens and the earth, new earth uh, is is remarkable and beautiful, uh, and it is uh, it is one that is uh, spiritual and and true. God's rule and blessing comes through the new covenant and the new King, uh, the King that will last and sit on His throne forever and ever. So, uh, the prophesied kingdom, 
that is uh that's that's where we're at uh next next week we look at the present kingdom and uh you know uh, we'll we'll roll from there so uh thanks for being with me this week i hope this is helpful if you have any questions thoughts whatever you know hit me up uh, you can do it uh real easy on facebook facebook.com slash pastor dan rose hit me up on twitter uh at daniel m rose and um yeah, let's continue the conversation or just head over to danielmrose.com and comment uh, on on this post um, but until next time well my friends